he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bellatified, the one and only podcast about event, entertainment, and engagement. And it is our 2021 Thanksgiving gobble gobble <laughs> episode. I'm Anthony Bellata, and I'm here as I am every week with my one and only Alex Epostolidis, the Greek. <laughs> Hello. Hey. How are you I'm this like, evening? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Had a nice weekend. How yeah. about you? I'm good. What'd you like? What did you like? What did I, about this weekend? No, you were going to say I like, and then I. Oh, 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 I like that um, we're the one and only, and I'm the one and only, out, you know, co-host. So there's a lot of ones, a lot of number ones in there. I feel there special. Are, you are. You are special, very special. And you know, when I was home uh, visiting with my my parents and my family for my mother's birthday, which was just a few weeks ago, I uh, was fortunate to see my cousin Cindy. And she reminds me of you and you remind me of her. You're like the same person. You would love her. I, I'm going to say yes, I will. It's Cynthia. If you love her, I have to love yeah, Cynthia. Yeah. Her name's Cynthia, not really Cindy, but Cynthia Bruno. And she's my cousin, Don Bruno's wife. And uh, she just, spending time with her reminds me of spending time with you. Oh. She's a good person. And she always thinks about other people. Nice. She's very empathetic. So, so you can't get away from me no matter how hard you try. Oi. <laughs> planted people all over the country if i know you're going somewhere i'm like okay you go here but you know what logistical nightmare you know you know what my little greek cupcake (laughs) yes my little italian Italian meatball (laughs) i should have said my little greek spanakopia yes the uh the thing is today's thanksgiving so we cast no aspersions and we uh, only, we're only thankful and grateful today. Yes. So even for the pains and the tushises, we are grateful today, or I should say tushises. We are grateful for them today because they keep us on our toes. And they teach us. They teach us. They yeah. teach us a lot. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much they teach us. Mm-hmm. It's as important to know what you don't want as to know what you do want. So those people that help teach us what we don't want, very, very important because it gets us to what we really do want. Yes, no one as, long, philosophy. as long as we get there. Okay, kiddo, because here's the thing. A lot of people know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. So I know what I want to you. Not really. Okay, so let me let me ask you the the um, the the question of the day. Okay, the question of the day is: 
boom, you just get a million dollars. What's the first thing you buy? Well, the very first thing I do is set up a trust for my daughter. Okay. See, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I, okay. So here, I have actually thought about this. I know exactly what I would do hmm, when I okay. win the lottery. I know, so that, I know exactly what I would do. Okay. So, so maybe that's not such a fair question, but I guess, or, or maybe it is, maybe you're, you're that, you know, you, you got it all together. You know, what's going to happen. I would freak. I'd be like, Oh, well, let's do this and 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 let's do this. And we'd be out of control. And uh, and then my heart would settle down a moment and I probably wouldn't do anything because I'd be so worried about not doing the right thing. You would do the right thing. <laughs> and if you have that much money, if you didn't do the right thing the first time out of the gate, there's always tomorrow and more money. Here's the right thing. Here's the thing about the right. Here's the thing about the right thing. Sure, you do it when you know what it is. And with money, I don't always know what it is, except for it feels really good when you're, you know, spending it and, you know, you're having parties and you're celebrating and, you know, that feels good. Yeah. I'd set up my charity. What would your charity be? I would probably try to create two kind of different things. One um, would be something having to do with animals, right? And I'd probably work with our, my very, very good friend, Scott, um, who uh, is big, who knew uh, uh, Doris Day, has a show around her. He's, he's brilliant. Uh, and then there would be some kind of uh, charity that probably dealt with female, I don't really want to say empowerment, but but more helping women who have had to undergo things that women should not have to undergo. Uh, that's very admirable and honorable. And um, when you set this up, you're going to get lots of funds for it, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful. No, what's beautiful about it is it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking about giving back with money that you don't even have, which speaks to how beautiful you are. Aww. I love it. Yeah, Most people want to spend the money on themselves first. Oh, I have things. I, want. <laughs> I do want a few things. I do. <laughs> My dream house. I would know. Dream house. Cars don't really mean anything to me, but I would, I would build my environmentally friendly dream house that would have a kitchen to die for. What else would your house have now post COVID? It would have a big outdoor area. Um, Excuse me. Let me rephrase. It will have a big outdoor area for outdoor entertaining. It'll, you know, um, it'll be right near the water. So I can hear the ocean sounds because that's 100% necessary for my soul. Mm. Um, And it would have a little casita so that that room could be either used for guests and or part of the party. When we have our parties, it would just be another entertaining space. And 
um, a master bedroom with a closet akin to what Carrie in Sex in the City would like. What about a music room? It would have a meditation room and it would have a soundproof room. So there would be oh. a room that I could do voiceover in, could sing in, and that would have uh, a floor down for dancing, right? It would have an actual dance floor. Um, and then everything could be converted so that it could be soundproof. It would have like a whisper room within the studio. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I, can't, uh, I can't say that sounds frivolous anymore. It sounds divine. Doesn't it? Yeah. To me, the home is your oasis. That should be the place at the end of the day that you can't wait to get to. You know, other people value different things. I certainly would want to travel, but the very first thing I would do for myself is create my oasis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not very, uh, very good at that on my own, creating the oasis, you know. Uh, I'm really more of the in and out kind of guy when the house is where the house is concerned. So I, I feel like with D'Angelo's presence now in my life, I have more, uh, more of a home uh, body sort of vibe and like coming home. But I was one of those people that was like, okay, I came, I, you know, changed and I left again. And then I came home and I changed and I left again. And, but now post COVID, I keep saying post COVID, I should say kind of post, no, I should say, I don't know what to to say, honestly, wherever post, we are. How about post mid COVID? We're not over, but we're kind of past the halfway mark. Well, but we don't even really know what the halfway mark is really. Yeah, so um, the, let's just call it the beginning of the endemic because it's just okay. going to go on. So um, here we are, the beginning of this endemic and I am uh, I'm definitely more grateful for the home space. And as we all know, everybody's thinking about being home more after that. Uh, and so many more people uh, have uh, expanded their homes or put in Zoom rooms or uh, put in playrooms or, you know, just done really wonderful things to their homes over this last period, making the house that much more important. And as we know, home sales are going up. I just wonder what it says about society. And, and it just feels to me like there's a mass inward movement of people, like uh, crawling into their own little cubbies and um, socializing with their own little groups and closing off to other ideas and thoughts because it's safe. I'm a little concerned about that. Hmm. It's like the segmentation of, uh, you know, of America. We're all sort of segmenting off into our own little silos. It doesn't feel good, I think. And the and the and the COVID thing just to me feels like it just pushed us closer to that. You know, people not leaving their homes. You don't really need to leave your home anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, all of these things that are on, on the one hand, really great things to have, very productive, but on the other hand, are very, very, very dangerous in my mind. But I've, I've been accused of being called negative. I think you're being thought 
provoking. You're seeing the pandemic from all sides. I mean, thank I, you for that. I, I changed a lot with all of this, and I too, and I'm a very social creature, as we know. Um, I became much more of a homebody, but I'm now spinning back out of it. I'm spinning back out of it. And I am starting to try to find other avenues um, so that I can meet more people and get out and do more things. So I'm glad to hear that. Because I got on board, yeah. Yeah, well, and also because um, you're in a different point. You're in a different, mm-hmm. different spot in your life right now. And it's important for you to get out and experience and um, feel feel the air, you know, yeah. be among people and um, get some excitement and live some Alex time and, and focus on Alex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm really happy. I'm really happy to hear that. Cause you got the home thing, you could always come back. You got the home I, thing. I home. have the home thing. And, and hopefully my goal is in the next two years, within the next two years, that I will have the real home thing. This is a, this is a layover and Uh it's fine. And it's a cute, you know, I make it home wherever, you know, I I mean, literally I stayed in uh, housing for the globe when I came home from Seattle to do a show, right. I stayed in the housing that they provided. And within three hours, I had all their crap off the walls and had gone shopping and completely nested and made it because I was going to be there for a couple of months. So I made it a home. My dressing room gets decorated, my little area lights pictures, everything. Mm-hmm. I have, I am a nester. So when you go away on vacation, do you unpack everything and put them, put in drawers? And Unless I'm only going to be gone for a night, mm-hmm. but otherwise I do more way. than one night. Huh? I, I do the same thing. You have, you, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just hard to try to live literally out of a suitcase. Yeah. And unless you're just a slob, because otherwise it's easy, you know, but it's hard because, you know, you want to be neat and you don't want your clothes to get all jumbled up. And so you try when you're looking for something underneath or you pack something underneath and you have to pull it out and everything gets crumbled. It's just not worth it. So let me ask you this. When you're traveling with somebody else, do you get kind of antsy if the area, not just with their things, but if there's any snacks or drinks, if it gets cluttered and messy, like I, you know, I don't want my counters messy at home. So when I'm out and you're in, especially a much smaller confined space, I'm sitting there looking at, I will go up and just make sure everything's neat. And, you know, the suitcases and everything aren't just dumped all over the place. They're put away so that it's, it's peaceful surroundings. Totally. Totally. I treat it like it's my own house. Yes. You know, because I don't want the maids to think that the housekeepers to think that I'm, you know, a slob, number one. And number two, it's just the most respectful thing to do. And I can't have all the stuff around me. It's it it feels like like it's just coming at me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you probably feel the same way. Like it's in the, I can't not see it. You can't relax. I can't, I can't, especially if you're in a hotel room now, especially when I travel, because, you know, I can't afford big, huge, lovely luxury rooms. So I'm, 
I'm, you know, it's a smaller space and I'm literally saying? two feet away from it. So I have no excuse not to get up and go straighten it out. <laughs> like, you know, that's true. That's can't true. Be put away. That's true. What are, you, are you saying that I don't stay in small rooms? I'm thinking, no, I don't know. I, I've never been in a hotel room where you stayed. Well, so, yes, you have. But in your, in your actual room? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Of course we recorded and yes. you're right. It wasn't a small room. No, but I didn't have a small room. I mean, when I'm traveling That's on my true. own. You didn't, you didn't either. No, when I get, when I get to travel with you, I'm actually, th- those are the that was best a good experience. places I stay. That was, the good, that was a good experience. Two I bathrooms. talked us up. Yeah, I talked us up. Every once in a while, I'm, I'm able to do that, but not, not all the time. I don't even try all the time because sometimes it's just not worth the effort. You can tell. You can tell when you walk up, it's not going to be a happy moment. You could try for it to be a happy moment. And sometimes if it doesn't feel like it's going to be a happy moment, but you're able to make it a happy moment, mm-hmm. you get even more. Yeah. But sometimes you just can't. Yeah. You just have to go with it. And sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, like when you're going to Phoenix for a couple of nights, it doesn't really matter. You're in, yeah, you're I've out. Never stayed in a, uh, all the places that I've stayed when I've gotten to travel for our work have been leverly. It's not been one bad egg. Well, good. Well, good. There's then there's something to go for. <laughs> there's, there's something to achieve. We need what, some a bad day. egg? <laughs> <laughs> so no, when I was traveling doing theater though, I was doing educational theater oh. and I stayed in a place that Long I literally nights. was, a, I was afraid for my life. We, we stayed there two nights and finally the person I was traveling with, he called and he's like, no, 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 we're not doing this. So they upgraded us to a nicer place. Good. Well, it's about time they, they took care of you. I'm glad that they did that. Yeah. You, know, you know, that that's just, I, I, I can't, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I get to a hotel and I even sense that it isn't clean, I won't, I can't, I won't stay there. I can't. I just can't. Yeah. I went to Vegas, a, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I thought I'm not going to put, it's a good thing. I don't have a black light is all I thought. It's a good thing. I don't have a black light. Yeah. You can't worry about it when you're sleeping in those beds. No. You really can't. But I will say that uh, when I was there for IMAX, it was at Mandalay Bay, which is huge. It, it's bigger than I remember it being. And it's changed so much. Uh, but I stayed at the Delano, which is right there. It's, it's co-joining. But the minute you step into that little hotel that's a join that has no casino, the air feels different and it smells better. And yeah, it's just a better experience than... And Mandalay Bay is not bad, actually. I mean, if you go downtown to some of those... You can't get away from the smoke, even if you try. But we're not going to talk about that because today's Thanksgiving and we have a guest. We do. A surprise guest. His credits are crazy. I mean, they're as tall as I am. It just, I, and and I'm only going to touch a little bit on it because he's such an amazingly talented person. He's an actor performer, composer, arranger, musical director. I do believe he's taught too, and he might still be teaching. 
He's worked with some of the most prestigious theaters in the country, including the Guthrie Theater, Studio West in Washington, D.C., the American Conservatory Theater, our very own La Jolla Playhouse, right? One of the best regional theaters in the country. The list goes on and on. Um, he's also contributed dozens of original arrangements to symphony pops programs all over the country. And he is composer of the Tony award-winning play, Peter and the Starcatcher, which earned him a Drama Desk Award. And so thrilled about this, right? A Tony nomination for best original score. I feel very honored and blessed to have met him and gotten to work with him just a little bit. Please welcome Mr. Wayne Parker. Wayne. I see a big light. I see, is that, that's not the white light, is it? It is my personal tunnel. Oh, where are um, we, where did, are we tunneling to? We're, 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 we, we go in the spirit and we come out the practicality. We, we, we enter into the spirit when we are young, and at some point we emerge doused in the gasoline of practicality. Bloody urine of practicality. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, it's not enough to say the school of hard knocks. It's the no. school of baseball bats chasing you down an alley. <laughs> oh, I, it's funny, but, but I'm sorry. I need a tissue now. I think yeah. I'm weeping. But there's <laughs> also personal good portal. things. Yes, like jingle bells that don't ring. Damn it! The jingle bells that that got something in them last Christmas. There's something. Uh, maybe it's just bubble wrap. Maybe. You mean the pop pops? There's also fans like these. We all need fans. We do. I'm your fan. That's one. See? You have a lot of fans, Wayne. Oh, that, yes. I yeah. think you do. You have I, a lot I, of fans. I think I do. You know why? Because nothing's at stake. That's, that's why. Good, that's that's there, probably right. There's no risk involved. So if you really wanted it, you wouldn't have it. Is that what you're saying? You don't care? No, I'm saying no salesman will call. And you can return it at any time. There's no... There's no, uh, uh, there's no fine print. No commitment, nothing. No. Oh, I ask for no commitment, really. It's. I think that th is that in your know, contract? It's in the contract that I sign with the other people. Yes, <laughs> yes, in the contract. Okay, wait, there's wait, no wait. commitments. Better than Gremlins. Better than ET. And no expectations. Okay. No ex. No expectations. Oh. No big expectations. <sighs> See, you, we all know the secret of happiness is low expectations. True. And True. so the lower your expectations are, the greater your capacity for being pleasantly surprised, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think I think that's a great theory. But you may never be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> that's the, that, that's, that's the downfall sad. and the risk. Yes. And low expectations is not so great when one is in a creative capacity, when one is leading a creative project, it's probably better to have neutral, no, more than above zero. The, the, you want the graph to start dipping up and you're the X axis of expectations when yes, but, you're trying to psych everybody up for it. Yeah. But I, I would say it's all relative too, because I would say that your expectation 
or at least the perception of your expectation of them is much higher to begin with than they already think it is. So even when you lower your expectation, it's higher than most people's expectations because most people's expectations don't even know what your expectations yeah. look like. That's right. And this um, conversation has gone in a very unexpected direction. So Abstract, I would say. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's Thanksgiving, and I'm just curious. Do you know a lot about Thanksgiving? Because you, you do know a lot about a lot of things. You are very mm. well read and uh, probably one of the most brilliant people that I know outside of music. Mm. So uh, do you know a lot about Thanksgiving now that I put you on the spot? It was Abraham Lincoln who determined that Thanksgiving was gonna be the fourth Thursday of November. Mm -hmm. And we know that Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey as the national symbol of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And, okay. Do you know what the pilgrims ate? The pilgrims had uh, Metamucil <laughs> and, and, and what's the other one? Oh, Maylox. No, Maylox. No, Mylanta. 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 They, they were actually trying to found Georgia and they had brought Mylanta, but they neither founded Georgia nor Mylanta. No, they did not. And they're constipated to this day. Yeah, they were, they were, you know, the pilgrims, they were, our popular notion is that they were persecuted, they were fleeing um, uh, persecution at home. But, you know, they weren't the nicest people. No, they were kind of annoying. They, they were the kind of people that, good riddance. I think we would all say good riddance to some of those pilgrims. Anyway. This is the, this is the problem with that theory, though. They're still here. Oh, and those are the same people we want to leave. But now you've just sort of said that they were here first. The pilgrims? Yeah, the, the nasty people. The nasty people were here the, uh, from I mean, the I, Europeans. I made, an, I made an instant jump from nasty pilgrims to nasty Americans. Sure. In the 22nd, in the 21st century. I made an instant, instant jump. Sorry. And... Uh, you know, in the old days, you'd hear about um, someone in the in the uh, someone in the social register as having be, uh, descended from one of the original May a signer of the Mayflower Compact, and I would be very interested to see an actual family tree of all of those Mayflower compactors, because I think it's not so special to, to trace. I mean, it probably branches and branches and branches and branches and branches. At this point, at this generation, there's a lot of descendants of. There must be, right? Those, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. I know I am not one. No, that's probably good. It's probably, I'm only second generation. Yeah, that's 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 good too. I uh, uh, Plymouth Rock. Let me see. Plymouth Rock. Of course, we're not sure where the real Plymouth Rock was. In fact, the real Plymouth Rock was not identified. The, the the rock that is identified as Plymouth Rock was only uh, engraved with 1620. I mean, it was uh, years after the fact when this old man in Plymouth, Massachusetts said, I remember an old guy telling me that this was the rock. And so they just generally picked a rock. And over the years, so many people chipped away souvenirs of that Plymouth rock, which wasn't the real Plymouth rock, that I think there's now an understudy rock. Like a pebble? 
<laughs> oh, it's an under, it's an actual rock that's yeah that's been put it's, in its place. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, I think it's rehearsal. Getting into, <laughs> yeah. Get a dress a rehearsal. This yeah. is one of yeah. those unpaid gigs, Alex. <laughs> it's a pretty simple track. Sit in your track like a rock. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Wayne? It has to sing the alto line, which you know. <laughs> yes that's and that's the harmony for the redheaded stepchildren of the world times have changed and we've <laughs> often rewound the clock when the puritans got a shock that's when they the landed on people. plymouth rock yeah it's a great part it's like playing the third desk of violas not when you want to sing the melody <laughs> it feels so good to sing that. it only feels good when everybody else is singing with you and then you're like, oh, I can hear my part. And it kind of feels okay, even when it's that. Right? Yeah. Alex yes. is like, there's there's pride in parts, even and when they sound like that. On the there's road. community. When people sing together, it's... It's it, harmonious. It's, even when it's not harmonious, it is harmonious. That's right. Is that really true? Well, <laughs> there's some, har- you know, there's all kinds of right. tunings in the world. And hmm. historically, all kinds of tunings. And there's some really wonky ones at your local level. I like the way that you put that. I know. That so there are no bad tunes. They're just wonky. wonky They're wonky. Ones. They're wonky. wonky. Mm-hmm. The, the, the choral director might stop and say, that was deliciously unique. And now I'd like to do it again and bring it into the Western tonal system. <laughs> You know, because you want to be encouraging. Right, of course, at all costs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, so what do you do that tonal system? Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he knows lots of systems. Yeah, systems. A mm-hmm. system for low expectations. There you go. That's a book. Are you doing the uh, the silent uh, film festival? As a matter of fact, I just today, uh, two hours ago, I came from having lunch with the artistic director of that festival. And they, of course, are trying to um, get it. It was postponed mm-hmm. and then it was postponed. I mean, it was rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled as the pandemic went on and on and on. And so at, as far as we know, it is still happening in 2022. It will be the 25th silent film festival which san francisco silent film festival and uh i hope that i assume i'll do something so you did say 2022 right because it is in a november no it's in may it's in may so when we came when i came to it it was in november did they change the time no you came to the what what they had been doing for years which was a day of silence which was one day at the castro theater showing Mm. four or five films oh which was a about six months, sort of the halfway point between the festival proper and the, which is a five day affair. It's a lot of movies to take in. It's fantastic. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's one of the great film festivals of the world. No question about it. With live music at every screening. It really is incredible. It's, it it is, it is incredible. It was an incredible performance. so do you play every day then when you play the the festival i expect that i will just be given one movie Mm -hmm. which will be 90 minutes or something 
but we'll play, I would assume, more than once. No, it, everything no? just happens one once. time. There's only one, one screening time. of each of these things. Wow. Uh, wow. So in, in, he'll, he'll score this 90 minute silent film, and then it'll be spectacular. So we it's, need yeah. to make a pilgrimage out there. Uh, it's this score. Yes, it's they're scoring. There is writing, and there is also what might be called piano sound design, where mm -hmm. you know, one does. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because sometimes you can go and have wonderful figurations that sound like technique, and other times you're just going plank, 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 plank when a character is falling down the stairs. All you have to do is just match the action and it will always work but you need to have a feel for the emotion behind the action yes to really right. transfer the yeah the feeling of it and it's so it does feel like you're you're there with sort of a sound foley if you will on the piano creating yes there's usually places for that really certainly incredible. if it's a comedy uh yeah and uh, it, it's true. It, it can be very effective when you find a couple of places in the film to play against the action to suggest that we're seeing one thing, but the character who is not visible now is we, we want to remember what that character was thinking. So we're going to have uh, that character's music playing uh, in contrast to how the scene has changed or something. Ah. Uh, it, uh, 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 yeah, it's, I think for this, for next see. year, I think I'm, I think they're giving me something rather um, uh, uh, relationship oriented, dramatic, a small cast thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But the one that I was going to do before the festival was canceled was virtually a three character story and a full 90 minutes and gorgeous, gorgeous photography, but a very small story. And that was that was going to be challenging. I don't think we're going to do that one uh, this time around because of um, things being different things being available at different times. Uh, you know, there's a limited number of prints. They they project. They they have a projector. These films are shown the way they were originally projected in the 1920s. So there's not many copies of these old films, there's usually maybe one or two that is that are um, gingerly taken around to the next festival who has rented it or uh, the next one, the next one. And since things were canceled and are being rescheduled, it might be that some uh, some films were promised, you know, they're due, the films are due some other place. I, I don't know, there's always a story, there's always stories about right. these niche, niche fields. Well, everything has intricacies and you know, we tend to think things are more simple than they are or simpler than they are, but everything is intricate, even something like that. Yeah. Being a producer, I'm sure the audience, you know, never gets to see the, and never has no idea how many loose threads had to be gathered into a tapestry mm -hmm. just so you can get the curtain to go up. Loose threads gathered into a curtain. <laughs> Sometimes there's no curtain. Sometimes there's not anymore. You can't even rely on a curtain anymore. Dang it. No, curtains are just great. The big yes. soft thing. I was playing, 
uh, I was playing at the Fox Theater in St. Louis, one of those grand, 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 big, big movie picture palaces. And I had a piano solo at the top of act two and they had an immense, the original curtain at this Fox theater. And as I started my little, here comes the overture, the curtain was being raised and it snagged on something. And this panels of old cloth came ripping off of it. And not only was it sort of like the towering inferno, but when they hit the stage, these immense clouds of dust yes. went up. <laughs> and I was playing my big solo. <sighs> oh my God. Oh, it was filthy. Oh, you probably couldn't <laughs> wait to get home. It's terrible. Yes. Uh, I think that was the old St. Louis Fox Theater. I think they've spruced it up since then. I think I was in that theater once. I know I was in the Atlanta Fox Theater. The Mylanta Fox. Fox. Theater in Atlanta. The Mylanta <laughs> Fox. Yes. Right. When they served Fox at the first Thanksgiving, that was when they pulled out the Mylanta. That's, yeah, they yeah. needed it. There's yeah. not enough mint jelly in the world things. for a, a gamey no, fox. No. <laughs> or a Jamie fox, for that matter. You gotta know how to cook it. That's all yes. I'm saying. Yeah. Does Jamie fox need mint jelly, really? I, we could ask. I mean, need it or use it for things. I, jellies. I don't care. I don't really care if he uses it. I just wonder if people if he needs yeah, it. I, it's a yeah, it is a sort of um C tier condiment. Not even a B condiment. It's a C condiment. Do we even have mint jelly bet, in California? I bet you can find it. You it's find probably it. seasonal. It's in there with the yeah. lemon curd and the bergamot marmalade. Hmm. What do you use mint, mint jelly? Lamb for, for some reason. Uh, well, non-Greeks. Let's specify non-Greeks. <laughs> use it with lamb, not 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 we Greeks. There's no mint jelly. But I don't know how. I, mean, I don't know why my grandma Grandma Helen had always served a little bowl of mint jelly when she made lamb. I don't know what culinary tradition that's from. It's and English, who would I believe? Yeah, it's like is it a, is it an aspic? One of those aspic things. We have a, we have a salmon aspect. aspect. Yeah, aspect. Ugh. Just what I want to eat on a warm summer afternoon. No. Wobbly jelly. Not me. Give me some pizza. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a Coke Zero. So what are you doing Thanksgiving? Oh, I haven't even thought about it. Oh, it's, oh. you haven't. I know I haven't even thought about it. Hmm. Uh, it. I I know that last year I at the very last minute I agreed to go to. Uh, I have a friend. Uh, I have a friend who loves to cook, and I've known that I've known him for years. But he didn't have a. He wasn't living in a place. He had been crashing at his friend's studio apartment. He and so he said, "Come on over for Thanksgiving dinner," and it was he'd cooked a full Thanksgiving dinner. But we had to eat it on our laps, sitting on the bed. And it was, um, and because there was only four of us, uh, he, I think we got proportionally more portions of the, the, the standard fare. It was a big 
pyramid of food on my lap in a tiny apartment. We're all just sort of breathing down each other's throats. Ah, so sad. You, you pass the great, there's no need to say pass anything because you could just reach, reach it. it. <laughs> and he'll, I'm sure he'll call again. He's a lovely, lovely friend uh, who loves to cook. And uh, I, well, I don't think I'll go, if it's going to be in that apartment, I think it won't bow out. Um, but I haven't heard any, I haven't heard anybody's plans up here and thanks uh, in San Francisco Thanksgiving. Is it cold? Yeah, it's cold now. Yeah, huh? Mm -hmm. I should have worn my Donegal tweeds when I went out to have lunch with that gang. Because you should I, have. Was, I should have. I love putting on my Donegal tweeds. It's like wearing a sleeping bag. <laughs> mm. Have you heard from Ilo Orleans? I had a dinner with Ilo Orleans. I should look at the calendar and I can figure out. Um, uh, it was not that long ago because he and his husband know someone, he knows my agent and uh, my agent's associate in San Francisco. So he's just very, very wonderfully, uh, our friend Ilo is automatically in the mix of my little um my little trickle of professional life so uh, my agent yes finally came out to san francisco and we all had uh it was ilo and his partner and my agent and his pal and someone else who was a a, 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 a caution someone else was a real caution and me and we met oh yeah we met at a bar we were at a real bar and that was the first this was like uh two months ago. And it was the first time in, it felt like a very long time uh, that I was doing, like going into a place, not standing out on the sidewalk of a place, but going indoors. And it was a your basic gay bar playing gay bar music. And I was hoarse immediately from trying to say hi to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a, they see you trying to talk, and so they raise the volume even higher. It feels that way sometimes. Yeah, but he's but he's well, I assume. Oh yeah, he's he is a gem. He he is a gem. He's a he's a college alum. Alex Isla went to Syracuse with Wayne. And yeah, I, he's in my class. And uh, I went to see Wayne in the December viewing of the. The Castro viewing of the Silent Film Festival, and I saw Eileen Ilo for the first time in thirty years. Uh huh. Untouched by time. He yes, is. he is. And BD, are you still hanging with them? Is he? Are you working on your on your musicale or view? You... Yes, there is movement with our um, the, our big project, which was meant to be produced last summer and mm -hmm. was canceled. This everything was canceled. So there is now possibilities. There's possibilities. And it's, it's certainly not um, that it will certainly find a production. It's certainly, it's, it's. It's ready for a house. Yeah. It's very good. Ooh, it's very good. Good, good. Uh, I like it. Good. I like it too then, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, I'm glad to hear that actually. And you know, these things take time as you know. So uh, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, writing a musical, we can do it in a week. But trying to you get can. a production of a musical, 
<laughs> isn't, isn't it funny how that works yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you know i was when you were I think it was two years ago, right? It was two years ago around this time that you came and helped us with our little holiday song, which, by the way, I don't know why. I still love it. And I Me usually too. don't love stuff after I've done it, but it's all because of you. It's, it's delicious. My memory is it was just delicious. It's, it, it is. It feels delicious. I, I want to do it again, actually. I wish that we could do it again, maybe next year. But nonetheless, I guess... You met some of um, D'Angelo's friends then who have become my friends, Ian and a few other people. And when yeah. Ian realized that you were, that you had written Peter and the Starcatcher, the music for that, he was floored, blown away. And all he could think about was his, how excited his daughter was going to be. And oh, uh, wow. I was like, oh, really? It's just, just a little Wayne. Come on. Oh, little so, Wayne. Nice. Yeah. so nice. Yeah, you, you know, you've done some things, you know, things, no surprise, yeah. no surprise. <laughs> Is anything else making you, uh, making you laugh and, and uh, enjoy life? I'm, uh, I try to do something outside with my plants every day, which is, a, I have way more, I have way more plants, plantings than I can properly take care of. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to see what, lives and what doesn't mm-hmm. want to live um it it's sort of it's a, it's partly political because the owners of the house in which i rent an apartment the owners have the terrace directly above me so they look down into my uh 10 by 13 enclosed patio it's sort of a um, cut into the side of the hill and so they're looking down. If I don't sweep it up, if, if, it, if it's too many, if it's in too much disorder, they're looking straight down into my mess, and I don't, you know, I don't like that. Well, then, uh, it's been very, very rainy here, and they'll say something. And, yeah, they'll say, you know, they'll say. Well, and the other thing is that you know, it's been it was so rainy for the uh, last three weeks almost, and I had not properly uh, protected, covered these. these boxes of blood meal and uh chicken manure the organic fertilizers that got a little wet you know the this the kelp you know the kelp powder all these things that i try to put in my plants and there is sort of a fecal smell um that comes from some of the uh uh, standing buckets of dirt it's i mean it's not absurd i mean it's a little natural it's it's sort of eggy (laughs) I mean, it's it's on the eggy side, for for the some of these side. for some of these pails of dirt, because uh, I have all this soil. Every I, everything is in containers. Mine is a container garden, so I do a little gardening. I do have um, hours and hours of captured MIDI captured computer captured piano improvisation, which I sort of whittle away at and clean up the lousy notes and um, uh, massage the, the, the parts that are good. And they're not, I mean, it's sort of composing. If you find a, a, tight, a five minute extract and come up with a title for it, which is vaguely suggestive of something, I am trying to assemble a piano suite, which currently has the name of Galapagos. Uh, I don't exactly know why. I, and only because there's a tune that I've been 
carrying around since 1996. And it frequently comes out in these improvisations. It's this big sort of Hollywood tango, sort of lush thing that um, has not worn itself out for me. No one else has heard it. Maybe it'll wear itself out for you with two repetitions. But uh, I started wanting to do something with this theme and I thought I can, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I know real composers have technique and they have a system for how to start and how to explore ideas. And then um, I don't know, it's, it's finished. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really only good for you press record and then I play and I play and I play a whole bunch of contrasting things so that just when it's one thing is starting to get boring, we're gonna to change to something else in a linear and non doubling back on itself way. I, uh, 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 I only know a couple of tricks that make a piece of instrumental music sound like a composed satisfying thing. I only know a couple of things. Actually context, music without a context is uh, impossible for me. I did try mm. once um, a couple of years ago, I rented a cabin up in Maine and I stayed two weeks in, uh, in the woods. It was February, but it was a wonderfully warm, modern cabin. And I went there with a goal. I had a piece of music, which I wanted to write. And I thought, I'm going to try this thing where you go away and you have, finally, you have absolutely no distraction. You know, you're always saying, I wish I could work on this. There's just so many distractions in my life. So here was two weeks where if I wanted to, there could be no distractions. Well, I did, it, it's, oh, it, I just went out of my mind with um, loneliness and petulance and impatience and uh, doing everything but composing a piece of music. But, and also because I, I with no context, mm. the, the idea of composing a piece of music that is gonna be played by musicians in a concert hall, and there will be an audience, and they will sit and listen to this music. And then you have to get up and say, see, this is what I wrote. This, I'm, you know, here, so much money and time was rallied so that you, audience, could hear this piece of music that I wrote. And you just think, gee, I hope it's worth everybody's time. <laughs> I hope it's worth. But when there's a content, when there's, it's music that goes with an image, or it's music that, is going to be underscoring to, um, um, to to film or uh, yes, film or or, or some movement or who am I thinking of? Um, Rosie Perez reading the Gettysburg Address, for instance. I don't know, something like that. Uh, when there's a an extra element, or uh, then then you have a reference to know that your music is right. Right. I mean, make, people might not like it, but I know that the music is right. Do you um do you find that to be a gift or do you feel that that's just something you lean on? Because it shows a it shows how intuitive you are and perceptive, but and not everybody can do that. Not uh, some people are so technical about their music, but they don't possess the feel and the ability to connected to anything or to have it be connective i have a uh well honed instrument for um immediately making a choice i loved playing for 
improvisational comedy where the music needs to instantly, if music is going to happen, if you're going to come in with some underscore or something, it needs to instantly have reveal the character that it needs to be music with mm -hmm. character. And like mm -hmm. that character needs to be present instantly. Mm -hmm. And uh, that it's also, it's part of just making a choice, making a mm -hmm. clear choice. It's a tango or, a, or, you know, it's very low. Just make a choice with, and uh, that's easy. I'm very good at now do something different. Now do something different. A lot of times it doesn't matter what the different thing is. It's that, you have an instant moment of contrast and you do something different. Nudging, you know, just sort of giving the, the, the scene or the, the mood the, or, just, or the audience's attention, just sort of nudge them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give them a little nod. That's, yeah, that I can do. That the, the, the sitting and polishing in ivory towers where I'm confident that this row of tone, you know, then I will bring this back. And then this, the, the concept of this composition is an inversion of this taken from the third line of the Dante's Inferno or whatever. I, uh, I, I can't do that. I get really bored when it's not something with an, with an audience reaction built in. Yeah, I could not with a straight face say, here's my symphony. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe when when I die, this, I mean, my storage room and this this hamper over here and the closet over there are boxes and boxes, pages and pages of musical ideas that were just loose. They didn't. I didn't have the occasion or the discipline or the wherewithal to assemble them into any um, substantial things like like eight bars of a good opening for a song or maybe 32 but maybe a whole um melody that could be an old-fashioned song or something there's boxes and boxes of this so um y'all can have it y'all can <laughs> like play with it and put it potchki potchki things together uh you y'all you, might come up with something that where i could not hmm, don't know i think it's probably just a question of the right time for the right thing do you ever go back to it do you ever find things in there that you remember uh, written, or do yeah, you just I, recreate it? it? It's easier to create something new, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it has happened. There was, recently, there was a project that needed a, uh, it had a moment in it that called for a certain kind of music. And it re readily, something came back that was written in 1988 that, for a project that never got off the ground. Uh, with my late friend Stephen Holtz, and just a tune. This is a song, very simple chorale, which we wrote for "Lights Up" on a um, a group of Hooverville type poor people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I think if I remember correctly, and that I mean, sixteen bars of music, but fast forward the tape to whatever it was, two thousand seventeen when there was a need for something, someone was describing, it should be music like that, da, da, da. and so this old, this thing, because it had character, because it had a certain character, the character lived with, uh, was, in a, was filed in some, filed away in some pigeonhole in my brain. And uh, when I actually go back to these old things, you know, you, when you go through your old stuff, and you see old style of paper and old style of, handwriting 
and old, you know, when you see rusted staples, when you, uh, rusted staple, wow, I still have this. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I kept, a, I kept a lot of other people's stuff too. And it was fun when I moved all of my things out here. <laughs> I was finally unpacking. I could, you know, I find in these boxes things, just, just all kinds of like somebody's, some some doodle that somebody did in class or something like and i was able to take a picture of it and say do you remember this blow people's mind i can't believe you have that yes so i filed it away i have a look few at it lovingly every day and think mm-hmm. of you <laughs> yes. every day every day i kiss it every night before i go to sleep uh-huh wayne yes sir are there any famous thanksgiving day songs why yeah why aren't there i don't know Um, there's not a single song that i know about thanksgiving that i can think of without searching i mean you could go off the thanks for being a friend and turkey lurkey time (laughs) but for who not the turkey (laughs) we need to create a what what is a lurkey I assume it's, it's a dance well, move. That, well, that was the that was Turkey Lurkey's name. It was the it was Turkey Lurkey. Oh, really? Yeah, remember the sky's falling. The sky's falling. Turkey Lurkey. And so the who who is it? Turkey Lurkey who thinks the sky is falling, or is Isn't it Turkey Lurkey? No, I one? thought that was uh... the pig. <laughs> a little chick. A duck, a little duckling. Wasn't it um, Pooh Bear? Yeah. Wow. No, yeah. I don't remember. I was never a kid to begin with. <laughs> I was too poor. Isn't that an old joke? We were too. We didn't have a childhood. We was too poor. Yeah. Anyway, that's the way it is. You know, you can't have everything. You just can't. Lurky. You can't have a turkey. Well, there should be a Thanksgiving song. Henny Penny. Penny, Penny Penny. Thank you. Thank you. Google. Yes. Google. Thank you, Google. Google. We thank you, Google, for yes. corralling all of the world's yeah. knowledge. Turkey yeah, Lurkey. Me- Meanwhile, everybody else knew what it was way before we came up with it. Yeah. Screaming it at us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Across the country, people <laughs> yeah. are screaming, Henny Penny. Henny, Henny Penny, you stupid fools. Oh, this is the last time I'm listening to this podcast talking about nursery rhymes. Exactly. This is a terrible podcast for nursery rhymes. Turkey Lurkey was from Chicken Little. Yes. Yeah. Chicken Little. Isn't Henny Penny from Chicken Little? Oh, boy. I thought Henny Penny was from... Henny Penny, Turkey Lurkey, Ducky Wucky. I'd made that one up. Uh, the, but but they must for... all have been rhyming pairs if if you're going to bring some semblance of order to the story and we know how children are craving their order, order. <laughs> right. yeah yes important for their development to That's show right. them order Big penny was the original name for chicken little from the european folktale oh. Oh. chicken little the sky is falling that's chicken little well, and I'm reading here where it says Henny Penny, the sky is falling. So it's ah, Ugh, you know what? I can't keep up with these people. Henny Penny, Henny Penny Turkey Henny Lurkey. Penny they, they sound like okay, criminals to me. They sound like they're druggies. 
because they think the sky is falling. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, an acorn hits you on the head and you think it's the, you got to be whacked out, right? You got to be, be whacked out. Exactly. exactly. So, Wayne, you got to come and visit because we haven't seen you in in too long. I'd love to. We'd love to have you I back. I love it down there. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to have you back. Down here loves you. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and maybe you'll get a gig. Who knows? Maybe you'll have to come down. Yeah. There, there might be a gig. But, you know. Uh, you don't like to have to do things anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up to, I'm almost finished the old curiosity shop. I'm working my way through Dickens, which I always wanted to read. So I started when we got this virus, I started with the Pickwick Papers. And I also read The Making of the Atomic Bomb by Richard Rhodes, which is fantastic, 800 pages. Oh, and I read Peter Ackroyd's biography of Dickens, which is another 800 pages. But yes, I've rediscovered the meditative, the calming effect of sitting in my big orange chair and reading. That's, that was good. It is good. Do you know that um, Warren Buffett does that every day? Mm-hmm. Five to seven hours, as a matter of fact. Wow. It's a lot of reading. It, it, and thinking. Yeah. yeah. So is if it, you spend yeah. that much time reading and thinking in a, in a seven hour period, does that mean you don't think outside of that seven hours ever? I, well, we'd have to ask Warren. I, I'm, it, what kind of material does he read? Fiction? Nonfiction? I would assume. Uh, yeah. Nonfiction. I can't well. read. I can't. Fo- I can't read. I mean, I can't sit. You know, a while back, a while back, um, my sister and I were talking about meditative practices and like how it's clearly good to it is something as simple as 10 minutes every morning to sit and think about your breath clearly helps uh, to try to center yourself, calm your mind, you know, rehearse a state of calmness. And I thought, you know, what would be a real, you know, something that I could do, which is truly a challenge and is truly related to focusing. I have the Criterion channel filled with these fantastic, but to actually sit by myself and watch a movie and pay complete attention to the screen is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. I really was trying to do it as a, like to watch a 90 minute Warner Brothers B program or some good old, that, that, to just practice, that wasn't meditation, it was practicing focusing to, uh, in effect, without turning off the phone, to let go of, is my phone gonna ring? Is my phone gonna ring? Is my phone gonna ring? Um, should check my email, maybe check my email. Maybe, maybe it's time to search that thing. I, I haven't searched for lace-up pants for three days on eBay. Oh, those, those um, thoughts racing around about all the things right. that you could do right then. Oh, got to go. Oh, that raccoon knocked over my Clytemnestra. I better get out there and start sweeping. Yeah, I know that feeling, actually. So what do you do when that happens? Do you just start moving around and doing things or do you yes, do this breath do. thing now? No, I just, yes. I mean, I, did, oh, yeah, I, do, I do a lot of that. Yeah, same thing. I'm looking around my apartment, noticing how when I start straightening up, it becomes more disorderly. 
Because, hmm. you know, set out, okay, I'm going to set, I'm grab up all the clothes that ended up all over the apartment, throw them on the bed, throw, sort them into piles. I'll do, I'll hang up the things that get hung up. So that here's the pile of things that get hung up. It's, it's, there are people who, is it Sue Ann Nivens who says, yes. think of the room as a clock. <laughs> and you go around the room and you tidy up think you tidy up between one and two that for that those that set of degrees and think of the room as a clock mary think of the room as a clock and i am in awe of someone who can start in a corner of their house and just clean in one direction like this like the shadow lifting as the sun rises like light coming through your house is a line of um you know the the penumbra of where the shadow of dirt is and where the sunlight of cleanliness is in order. But it's, yeah. but another thing is, is just putting stuff away. I, I, in every apartment I've ever had, I end up soon, soon, not even and within a week, I'm looking around. Saying, if there was a place to put all this stuff, That's I would put it there. That's the problem. That's always the problem. There's not enough space for the stuff. Which is why no. I have bone broth in my bedroom. <laughs> Right. And we're back to the bone broth we're again. Back to the bone broth. <laughs> bone broth. Bone broth in the bedroom. Yeah. Don't start. <laughs> hey, there's almond milk too. It balances out. Ah. And water. Yeah. Bone broth is great for little umami. Mm-hmm. To add that umami mm-hmm. to your. So mommy with umami. Ooh, mommy. Yeah. Give me that bone broth. Anchovy paste also good and something you would not want to find under the bed mint jelly anchovy paste we're going straight for it all it's just it's incredible these delicious condiments. And tomato aspic yes. tomato aspic yes so we have the delicious. sweet the the umami we have the Gross. Pointless. <laughs> pointless. <laughs> yes, aspic is in the pointless food group. It is. It absolutely is. But isn't it gelatin? So it's great for your fingernails. It's yes. really good for your nails. My, my mother used to drink Knox gelatin, stir it up in a glass of hot water, powdered gelatin from Knox, from the, from the canning and preserves aisle in the supermarket. What did that stuff do in your system? I just can't imagine. <laughs> I guess, yeah, right? The molecules of, yeah. of glycerin and hmm, what else would it be? Uh, are supposedly going to go to your fingernails. They're going to float around your body and then they find your fingernails and they attach to that. And now we just do it in the form of collagen powder in our water daily. Really? Yeah, every day. Two big scoops of collagen powder. Okay, then. <laughs> that lives in the actual kitchen, though. And that's not in my bedroom. And that was Wayne Barker. Tony-nominated, Drama Desk-winning, fabulous friend, talented individual. And he spent his Thanksgiving with me. Alex is still cracking up because he's gone. He's gone. Well, this is a Blotified, and uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're listening to us somewhere else, hey, just tell your friends and keep listening. Let us know what you think. Find us on Bellotta.com. Look for the podcast page. Send us a comment. Send us a Thanksgiving song. And have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.
And to that, we say goodbye. Bye. And stay engaging. Well, that's it for us. Mm. All right. Done. We're finished for this Thanksgiving night. Thanks. Do you have a song for us? Thanksgiving. It's one of those songs from the 60s that doesn't have words. It just has the choir, like the Henry Mancini. Yeah, the... Neely Plum Singers. Thanksgiving. Cranberry. Rosemary. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. I, will we get letters? Uh, will we get emails from listeners who said, you idiots, you forgot about this song and this song and this song and this song. I hope so. Yes, we want. We encourage that. I'll let so you let, know if we do. Yeah, when we have a list of songs, we'll we will make a medley of listener suggestions. I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs>